Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, welcome to Fortress of Faith, folks. Uh, today I'm going to play for you a program we did a couple of years ago. We're going to be talking about the parallels between the mindset of abortion and slavery. Sadly, these are two peas of the same pod, disregarding life, calling it something different from what it really is. Let's get into it. Here we go. There's a parallel in the American story of our history, of our, when we look back through the halls of history of our nation, there's a parallel that could be made between slavery and abortion. Let me explain what I'm talking about. When our framers wrote our laws and wrote the Constitution, they identified the slave, a black man, as three-fifths of a man. They did not consider him a whole human. Now, there's some history behind that, so you can understand. Let me start kind of back a little bit here and work my way forward, and I'll just lay out my thoughts here. America was founded on the break from England, from Great Britain. Why? Well, because we felt we were mistreated. We felt that we as human beings were treated as lesser beings by the royalty and the nobility of Great Britain. You see, in the 16th, 17th, 18th centuries, Britain had a class system that was very strong, and it affected our country here in the United States, the colonies at the time. At the very bottom of the scale, you had the slave. Then a step up from that was the working class man, the peasants, the farmers, the servants, the vagabonds. Then a step above them would be the merchants and the husbandmen's or the tradesmen. And a step above that would be the gentry class, so the clergy and the military officers. Then above them were the aristocrats, the lords, the ladies, the barons, the dukes, the peers. And even above them, at the top of the scale, were the royals, the royal family, the king himself, or the heir to the throne, the heirs the princes and the princesses and so on. And the idea and the understanding is that if you were of the royalty, you were not just human. You, in a sense, were God-ordained and blessed above all humans. In other words, you weren't quite God, but you were above humanity, in a sense. And your subjects were below you. Now, the men and women here of the colonies felt that you know, that kind of wasn't uh, right. All men, according to the Bible, are created equal. Even kings and queens are created beings of God that serve a purpose for God, just like any other creature here on earth. And so there certainly was a hypocrisy when our framers founded our government on the concept that all men were created equal, but yet took 
the slaves, the black man, and treated him as less of a man, just like the royals were doing of the commoners. And so when we wrote in the second paragraph of our Declaration of Independence, in the second paragraph at the very beginning, we open with these words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Not that government would give you these things, Government's not going to give you life and liberty and happiness, but that you have the right to pursue them. Now, there was a conflict amongst our framers. They had reached a stalemate, an impasse, a standoff over the subject of slavery. Why? Because slavery was hugely profitable for the early Americans, both North and South profited from them. However, the South was largely profited by slavery because of the large farming and the plantations that were done in the South. These markets would be crushed if slavery were to be abolished. And I think in some of the writings of our framers amongst themselves, the record does show that they did recognize the hypocrisy that was there, and some wanted to abolish slavery at that point. But they couldn't get an agreement to form our Constitution if the southern states would not be involved. And so a compromise was made, and that compromise was laid out in Article 1, Section 2, Paragraph 3. It's known as the Three-Fifths Clause. And three-fifths of all other persons. So you had... um, the, the whole number of the free persons, there was a class of the free persons. There were those who were bound to service over a term of years. They were classified. The Indians were classified in one group. And in the last group, the three-fifths of all other persons. This was the slave, the black man, black man and woman. And so we had this hypocrisy going on, but what was... Beyond that was the concept that were not these people human? Could not the people who were slave owners understand and see that the people that they were calling three-fifths of a person, could they not see that they were just as human and just as normal as any other person? Certainly not with the advantages of others. They lacked education. They lacked opportunity, like others, the free citizens. Uh, But they were just as human, uh, just as human as any other person. And what's what's kind of ironic is that today, I imagine, every liberal would look back at those people who were the slave owners, and they would hurl these accusations of these slave owners as wicked, immoral, vile, villains, hideous, depraved, corrupt, people without a conscience to not see and understand that even just the difference of the color of a skin doesn't make a person subhuman, less than human. So our country had to grow out of that, and we came to a war. 
to fight this issue, to right that wrong. And I want to make it very clear here at Fortress of Faith, and if you know me, um, I believe that uh, I, I've, I was raised colorblind. I don't see, I don't see your color. You, you know, we're all God's creatures. And I've, I've said many, many times here that there is only one race, and it is the human race. Well, what's interesting is that the very same people today who would call the early Americans as villains, as wicked, immoral people for looking at a human being as less than human and call that vile and call that corrupt and depraved and wicked, these are the very same people who today are calling human beings less than human simply because they are unborn. These are the people who support abortion. And what's kind of ironic about it all is that it's all from the same political party. The same political party that today supports the killing of the unborn in the womb and fights vigorously and vehemently to protect the rights of women to kill their children in their womb are the very same people who fought to try to keep the black man from being freed from their slavery and to keep them from being treated as citizens and having the right to vote in this country. Isn't it interesting that the very same people who would call the slave owners as corrupt and vile for calling a person less than human simply because of the color of their skin are the very same people today in our country who are saying that the unborn are less than human and do not deserve the rights of humans, the right to live, the right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness simply because of their status as being unborn, therefore less than human. Then there's the economic argument. One of the reasons why people were for slavery is because our economy needed it. You know, we, it's our livelihood. We need these people to work in our farms and, and to bring in the crops and to, and to grow this, that, and the other so that we can make a living. And it's the very same people who would give that argument back in that day are the same people arguing today, well, I can't have a child today. If I have a child today, it's going to ruin my plans for my, my dreams for my career. I got I, I got to make a I got to make a living here and I can't have a child. If I have a child, then that means I can't make my living. I my, I can't pursue my life, my dreams, my happiness. So I'm going to take away the rights of someone else and I'm going to call it less than human, strip away its rights. And uh it's interesting. It's the same people. It's the very same people that are doing it today. I'm telling you here, the abortion industry is making big money. Planned Parenthood, which is just one portion of those who kill babies, kill the unborn in our country, $1.3 billion they made in 2016. Then we've learned of all the profits they make from selling fetal tissue, baby parts. I'm here to tell you that these are the people who are wicked, immoral, vile villains, hideous, depraved, corrupt. 
and without a conscience. No, actually, they have a conscience because God says they've got one, but they have seared their conscience because of their sin. I want you to know the unborn are precious. Psalms 139, 13. The psalmist writes, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Verse 16, he goes on to say, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. Even when they were in the developing stage within the womb, God's eyes saw that precious life. And I'm here to tell you that all life is valued in God's book. And I'm here to tell you also that God will not wink at our sin. Proverbs chapter 6 tells us of the seven things that God hates. The third in that list are those who shed innocent blood. Oh, my friends, we've now killed over 60 million unborn since 1973, since Roe v. Wade. And it's a great sin upon our nation. We're going to stop here, but would you folks join us in the National Revival Prayer Room? We're about to start that if you're listening on Cary. We're going to start that here at 9 a.m. You can do this by going to FortressOfFaith.com. FortressOfFaith.com. Click on the, on the link or get the phone number to join us. And folks, we need to pray. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for revival. Our nation's in trouble. And we encourage you to do that every weekday. If you're on the East Coast, we do that at 12 to 1 p.m. On the West Coast, the time then is 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Canada and the United States together, we're praying for revival for our nations.